Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and pretty much anywhere where you'll find podcasts. I'm Captain Jim, and I'm joined, as always, by Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this time, we're talking about Episode 8, Season 2 of Discovery, If Memory Serves. And I think it's fair to say, bit of a spoiler, we're quite fond of this one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I seem to recall at the time saying, I think I have a, a new favourite episode of Star Trek. <laughs> of all Star Trek? Yeah, Ooh. I love this episode. Cool. Well, we'll get into it, but... Uh, this one's directed by uh, T.J. Scott, not related to T.J. Hooker, as well, far as I know. <laughs> and he comes from, or she comes from, it might be one of them where they do initials, like DC Fontana. I don't know, actually. I think it's a man. Anyway, um, directed some episodes of Orphan Black. Did you ever catch that one? No, I didn't see Orphan Black. It's worth watching. It got a bit convoluted in its own mythology towards the end uh there were too many factions in it you couldn't keep track of who was who and what they wanted but it, you know it was pretty good and it was very stylishly directed anyway so i can see the link there and then we've got a writing duo of dan dwarkin and jay Beatty. their other sci-fi work was um the event from a few years ago did you remember that one and that one it only ran one season so it may well have passed you by right. It was one, they were on an aeroplane, and it disappeared, and then it turned up in a desert or something, anyway, it all turned out to be to do with aliens or something. It was another one, it started off quite promisingly, and then it just sort of fizzled, sort of fizzled out. Now, I think I missed that. Yeah. So, I've taken recent years, a lot of sci-fi, I tend not to start watching until it gets to the second or third no, season. No, it's probably worth doing that. Some networks... Yeah, just cutting things. Well, the event was one that finished on a big cliffhanger, yeah. and you were like, oh, "Here we go, here we go again." Like flash forward and all that yeah. business. Um, but you know, so we've got a lot of sci-fi pedigree in the writing and directing. And unusually, I think we need to start with the previously on for this episode. Uh, how it started is just amazing. Yeah, it's anyone who says. Discovery isn't canon or isn't continuity yeah. needs to watch this because it's just in your face. Yeah. This is continued from previously. Yeah. And, you know, we get there's clips from the cage. Some of them are clips that aren't even used in the menagerie. Yeah. So it's absolutely firmly establishing not only is the menagerie canon, the cage is canon, yeah. Discovery's canon. Yeah. It's all linked together. And I think. Star Trek is almost unique in that it can do this. It can have a previously on and show clips of an episode made 50-odd years ago. And yeah. the only other one's Doctor, Doctor Who. Doctor Who did it. And yeah, yeah, Doctor Who's done it with um, showing like William Hartnell and yeah. things. So, But they're probably the only two shows yeah. that could, could actually do uh, it. To be fair, I think um, some of the William Hartnell flashbacks was actually new footage. Yeah, I think some this, of it was. Uh, this was just pure... Yeah. Old footage from the cage. Yep. It's continuity. This is... We, we've got different actors. We've got, we're looking at by... Yeah. And it, it's the same characters. Yeah. And it, it, it does it, that with... It does a, a, a quick sort of hard cut yeah. from say, Jeffrey Hunter to Anson Mount. Does it Mount. say it, um, how many episodes later? 
No, it doesn't. But it'd be interesting if it yeah. did. Maybe seven hundred and what have I you. I think we it's somewhere around seven hundred and fifty episodes. Yeah. So I mean, it, I loved it. It's just fantastic. Like the you get the previously on on screen, and it uses the old font. It's got the old music. Yeah. It's the old effects as well. They don't even use the remastered no, they version. They don't remaster anything. No, it's, it's the old model of the Enterprise. Yeah. It's everything. And I think it's the right decision. It it was a brave decision, but yeah, it was the right decision. Absolutely. And what this is putting into absolute... It's a visual confirmation of what we've been saying, that Discovery um, featuring like the Enterprise and whatnot... They've updated the visuals, but... It's still the same story. It's the, the same, same story. We're looking the at same the same characters. thing. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's acknowledging we've got to update the visuals, but this is those people earlier yeah. on in their lives. And that's brilliant. And I th- I think it is, again, the right decision. Like we talked about, you know, in, in A Mirror Darkly, they use the old... Well, not the old model of the Constitution class, but they use a CGI recreation... And they use a recreation of the bridge. And yeah. you can do that as a one-off, as a nice nod. But if you're going to have that ship or those characters as a presence, you've got to update it because... Yeah, it's got it's got a stand, stand up nowadays to what's... what's Absolutely. That's and there. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, you know, because no, despite um, what... You know, we we might like to think that Star Trek's real and that what we're watching is historical documents like in Galaxy Quest or whatever, but the fact is it's not. It were a TV program that was made and we're carrying on stories in that universe, but we've got to make it stand it's got a, in today's it's got landscape. Right now and Discovery looks right. It does. It, it stands together with the rest of the best sci-fi on TV, if not above. Oh Along yeah, the other with its visuals, it's very well made. It is, yeah, and so we get that really fast hard cut from Pike to Pike. And one thing that I did read about this is that the they didn't know about the previously on when they filmed this episode. That was decided in the editing after the fact. Right, I didn't realize and, that. But it works so well. It's really the transition right. between them. I'm surprised. I mean, maybe someone had it in the back of the mind. That's what they yeah. were going to do. And I bet there were some arguments about whether they'd let them, but... Then they thought, yeah, it, let's do it. Yeah, and, and good works. on it. I'd like to see more of it, to be honest. You know, I'd not to jump the gun with where Discovery goes later, um, but when we get to Discovery Season 3, we could have previously on Star Trek's referencing anything. Yeah. You know, it could they could take any episode of any yeah. of the shows and do a previously on, and that'd be amazing. You know, you don't want to overuse the gimmick, but no, like, like it was, it was real. If I think if we were getting this every week, yeah, it it just become the same and normal as a one-off. It was just brilliant, so great. I think that's why I love the episode. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's it is, a, it's what it's sold the episode to me. And again, this is one that I watched in hospital when I was doped up and things, and. I think I thought I'd downloaded wrong episode at first. You know, I was like, hang on a second, what's, what's going on? What's going on here? And then, you know, I got a check afterwards. Like, did I really see that? <laughs> but this time I did, so that's all right. Um, Pike in his log then, he does refer to Section 31 as a Starfleet division, which 
that's establishing this new take on Section 31 that at this stage, they are part of yeah. Starfleet. The, the known people are aware of them and yeah, they function. I did um, a panel a few months ago at a convention and I was talking about Section 31 yeah. and how it can be one thing now, what we're saying in Discovery, and why it's so different in DS9. And it's Secret Service divisions in a hundred years, common memory forgets about them. Yeah, well, that's the the creators have said something yeah. similar, haven't they? Like, yeah. how many secret agencies from a hundred years ago can you well, name? That's it. It's like, like in England now, we have GCHQ as our yeah. central intelligence, but that was um, made up of oh, MI. MI, yeah. I always forget which ones are real and which ones yeah. were made up for James Bond, but, um, yeah. Well, military intelligence, there's... There's loads there's, of them. Originally, back 100 years ago, there was sort of like 30 or 40 different divisions. Yeah, I, I mean, and things like... And then you also had naval intelligence as well. Yeah. And it was naval intelligence and military intelligence merging together. And then you've got things like the FBI in America, which... That wasn't established until the 20s to take down Al Capone, you know, so that agency's not even 100 years old. And that's the timescale we're talking about. So, you know, what... What was the agency in America before the FBI? Before the FBI, exactly. There was one, Yeah, I don't know what it was. No, and I doubt very much that there's many people who do, apart from historians, but... um, Yeah, so, I mean, we're obviously going to have a lot more to talk about when we get to the Section 31 series, but... It, I like how they're doing it, how they're establishing it here. And this is reinforced, really, that we, we then see a briefing scene with Section 31. And it's a bunch of admirals, Starfleet admirals, briefing them. Yeah. And we've seen that already with Cornwall. But I liked, um, silly as it might sound, I liked the representation with these admirals because you've got a human, a Vulcan, an Andorian, and a Tellarite. Yeah, which so was... you've got the four founding... Four founding members of the... Yeah, represented with these, yeah. And then there's a hint here, Giorgio, not so happy about control. She doesn't like an AI telling her what to do. Yeah. And that's going to be a, a big theme going yeah. forward. She's probably worried about more of them Matrix things from last week coming oh. to get her. Man, I reckon Giorgio could probably handle them, but... Um, <laughs> They also talk about that Michael's current actions amount to mutiny again. Yeah. So they think that she's got a bit of a habit of doing this kind of thing. I'm not sure what it... I suppose it does amount to mutiny. It's disobeying direct orders. She's broken Spock out from Section 31, yeah, but she was on an allowed leave. Yeah, technically she's on holiday, so... Yeah, if that's what she likes to do on her vacations. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of them. I suppose it depends what Starfleet's policy is in when you're out of hours. Do you still have to uphold the... I would guess so. But, um, yeah, so Section 31 are not happy with Michael. Um, Pike and Ash, though, do defend her. And we get this thing where Pike wants to know what the crack is with Ash and Burnham now. He's hinted at this before and he's said, you know, at some point you're going to have to tell me to burn him. Yeah. But now he's sounding Ash out on it. He wants to know exactly what it is. And Ash sort of, he underplays Michael's part of it, really. He says, I was in love with her and she was not unfond of me or yeah. something. Um, so no great revelations or anything, but 
It's it's good that Pike's now got all the information he yeah. needs. And it shows that Ash is working with Pike now. He's not bristling against him yeah, as he's... much. And then we pick up with Michael and Spock heading to Talos 4. Um, the computer informs her that it's not permitted. Yeah. So that ties into um, what we find out in the menagerie that Talos 4's Forbidden. Forbidden. We yeah. we find out in the menagerie that it, it carries the death penalty going there. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about the death penalty and it carrying on. and I don't think they really come up with death penalty for many other things. Well, they say in the menagerie that it's the only death yeah. penalty left in Starfleet. And it does seem rather extreme. Yeah. But then um, I suppose the justification of it is that the Talosians are that powerful. Yeah, that been. if they were to get off that planet, they could pretty much run amok. I mean, they, they don't seem to want to get off the no. planet particularly, so no, I imagine so. they could probably draw a ship to them if they yeah. wanted to yeah, do so that. They're very advanced. Well, they are very advanced. Yeah, and but they, they seem to be content to just sit yeah. in the little cave and collect pets for yeah. the zoo, but... Um, they get this bit where they come out of warp and they're in the gravity well of a black hole, which looks a lot like that picture that they took. You know, recently we got the first ever yeah, picture of a black yeah, hole. Yeah. And this does look like that. Yeah. Was it after that picture? I can't remember. But I was looking at it when I rewatched the episode yeah. and thinking that's, yeah, that's pretty, pretty good. good. So um, Michael panics, tries to pull the shuttle out of the way and Spock at this point becomes aware and of where they are takes and control and they power through it and to get to the planet. So I think we're seeing here the power that the Talosians yeah, have got. Yeah, they're hiding the planet from. Yeah, they they, they do have incredible it, yeah, power. There's no black hole there; it's an illusion, but the computer thinks it's a black hole as well. Yeah, I never thought of that. So the the fooling the not just the ships, the human eyes, but the computer eyes. Yeah. Michael makes a reference to Alice through the looking glass this time. Yeah. So they've read the sequel as well, not just Wonderland. <laughs> they've also read through the looking glass. Well, they're quite intelligent, the pair of them, so I think they'd be well read. Yeah, I'm sure they would. <laughs> but that seems to be their favourite. Yeah. <laughs> they go back to that one again and again. Then uh, we get sort of the other main strand of this episode. And, it, you know, it's the main story here is Burnham, Pike and Spock and the Talosians. But we do get... We advance the story of Stamets and Culber yeah. a little bit in this one. And this is them back in the domestic situation. They're in the quarters. Yeah. And Stamets is Stamets making is food. Yeah, I, I like the way that Anthony Rapp plays it. He, he is acting kind of very nervous and he, yeah. he's clearly wanting to do everything he can to make Culber feel at home and at ease. But as we find out over the course of the episode, it's not... It's not really working, no. and he's he's kind of calling Stamets on it. He, he he says, you know, you're trying to make it normal, but you've never cooked a meal for me before. Yeah. So it's sort of he's kind of overcompensating. Yeah, he's um, trying too hard. Yeah, and I mean, I think that is something that happens when someone's been away for a long time, or someone's been ill, or what have yeah. you, and you know, people do shower them with affection and. At the moment, it seems that that's not what Culber wants. He kind of... It's not what he needs, but it's what Stamets... Yeah, Stamets feels he has to do yeah. kind of thing. And 
I think Wilson Cruz's performance in this episode's really good. Like that his whole demeanour's changed as a character. Like he was always kind of very laid back and Yeah. Well, since he's come back he it's like he doesn't know what he is of him. Yeah, and it, you know, he says that outright later on, but it his physicality to me, like he stands he's almost like a coiled spring, you know, it looks like He's ready to snap yeah. kind of thing. He's ready for a fight, and we see that later as well. But <laughs> it also looks like he's really bulked up. Yeah. I don't know whether it's that he's wearing different outfits or whatever, but he looks a much bigger guy yeah. than he was last season. And he's it may... a different outfit because he wore the doctor's robe a lot. True. Like, very straight. It, but it may just be he's acting the way he's carrying himself. Yeah. He, he's a much more... Um, what's the word? It... Not an off-putting character, but he's a more intimidating character yeah. than he was before. Whereas he was kind of the heart of it, really, before. Um, so it's it's interesting where they're going with the character. Um, I like that Pike, again, is taking a really clear stance. Like He's been told by Starfleet, by Section 31, that he can't look for Spock and Michael. But he says, I won't ignore a crisis that involves my officers. Yeah. So it's... It fits in with what we've seen of Pike, but it's good that he absolutely won't compromise on that whatsoever. And they, they're now working on finding out what was going on with the probe from last episode, which this this threw me again when I first watched this one in hospital. So I was like, what probe? I thought they were talking about the sphere. Right. There's, there's too many sort of nouns getting thrown about this season. We've got the probe, we've got the sphere. They've both got data, but we've got probe data and sphere data. Yeah. But they don't seem to be finding anything from the probe, whereas there was lots of de- details yeah, lots from of the sphere. sphere data. And then we arrive on Talos 4. Now, like we've already seen Talos 4 this episode in that previously on. Yeah, and... We've seen the flashbacks, and straight on Talos 4, um, we've seen the singing flowers. Yeah. But they look more real than what they Yeah, did they do. Originally. But this is what we said before. They've updated the effects. Yes. Like, Those back are... in the 60s, a lot of people hadn't seen any exotic plants. No, exactly. So get away with... <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, those are the same flowers that, you know, within... The fiction that we're watching, they're they're the same thing. It's the same sound effect. Yeah, exactly. And the planet itself, you know, we're not on a soundstage now. We're actually filming on location. And there's a nice sort of saturated effect to the colour. Yeah, to give it that. It's kind of washed out and it it does make it look otherworldly, which is exactly what you want from an alien planet, really. (laughs) Um. We then see Mina again, uh, not Mina, Vina again, this time played by Melissa George, who I think she started off in Neighbours, maybe, or Home and Away, one of one them. One of the Australian. One of those, but she's gone on to do some quite good stuff. Like She did um, a film called Triangle, which was like, yeah, yeah a weird sort of sci-fi time loop yeah. type but at thing. At least she didn't go and uh, decide to invade the UK pop charts like <laughs> Aussie soap stars thinks is a that, good idea. It's true. Natalie and Brulia want bad. No. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, so we get her and she goes on to the shuttle. Again, this is a, a case of dramatic irony. We know who she is, but Michael doesn't. Yeah. And she, um, 
Michael doesn't know either that Spock and Pike have been there before. Like when Vina mentions knowing him and knowing Captain Pike, it's a revelation for yeah. Michael. So Spock's obviously not discussed this with her, but then they've not spoken in a long while. In a long time. It's what's this first time seeing each other in how many years? A long time, yeah. And the, the cage at this time is, I think, a couple of years before. It was meant to be three about four years. I yeah, think. I think maybe three. So it meant to be about two years before the Battle of the Binary Stars, yeah. wasn't it? And then. Um, Vina refers to Pike as Chris, showing this affection, the closeness between them. And she says, in some ways, he hasn't left. Which, this refers to something which I always found a bit of a stickling point with the cage as relates to the menagerie. Because the menagerie doesn't use all the footage from the cage. It, it picks and chooses. Yeah. And the cage ended with the Talosians creating an illusion of Pike to go and be with <coughs> Vina. But in the menagerie, they use the same footage to show Pike, them oh, making Pike share. young. Yeah. So I always felt that this created a bit of a contradiction, whereas this episode is showing us that, no, both those things happened. Yeah. You know, the, the ending of the cage did happen the way it is in the cage, and the ending of the menagerie happened the way it is in the menagerie. So I like that. That's This has solved... Uh, a sort of thorny continuity it. problem, yeah, that's bothered me a little bit. Well, yeah, no, I'm not old enough for it to be in 50 years, but a good 20-odd years. Um, the Talosians, when they turn up, again, it's the updated design, but it's recognisable. It's recognisable. I, I like the new yeah. to them. And it's, again, prosthetics have moved on a long time. Oh, a, a long, long way. 50 years. And the, the Talosians was incredible makeup yeah. work at the time. Uh, like they had the, the veins sort of pulsing yeah. in the head and yeah, things, didn't they? It was amazing at the time, but yeah. I mean, it's, you have to move on with makeup as yeah. well as effects. You can't. And once again, they they are recognisable for what they were. Yeah. But they they fit in with what they need to be in this thing. Um, we find out Spock's experiencing time fluidly rather than in a linear, linear fashion. Yeah which we've encountered before in Star Trek with the, the prophets yeah. and whatnot, but um, we need to find out why, and he's come here basically so he believes the Talosians can cure him. Yeah. Which I can see why he would think that, based on given the mental power they have. Yeah, and the manipulation of mental minds. And yeah. So we go into a flashback then, and um, we see how Spock's got here, really, and we see him encountering the angel when he was young. And we've heard this story before yeah. at this stage that the angel tipped him off to where Michael was, which meant that Sarek and Amanda could find it, find her, rather. Um, but the, the new stuff is that it's appeared to him again, and it's guided into this planet where he can meet with it. He's tried to mind meld, you know, which she's female. Yeah. He often tries mind melds with powerful aliens, like he does it with Vija as well. Yeah, he does a lot of mind melds. And it, it, to say that in the early episodes of the original series, Kirk had to massively persuade him to yeah, he did. meld with anybody or anything. Like, as, it, as Spock progresses, he's just, oh, there's a wall, I'll mind meld with that to touch somebody through it. And, yeah. Uh, but he... Um, He's 
as I say, he, he's done it with the angel here and he does it with Vizier and neither time it works out that well. So he yeah. maybe, maybe wants to be a little bit careful when it's an all-powerful <laughs> entity, but it does give us a bit more insight and he reveals that it's human. And he also saw this flash of the future where we see things that look very much like the probe that we saw last yeah, episode. We've got, we've got supernovas going yeah, off and blowing up all yeah, over. And we find out later in the episode that these planets are like Andor and yeah, it's Vulcan all, and whatnot. All so heart of the Federation. It's destroying the Federation effectively. And that, Though we might not have known it at this stage, this is setting the scene for what's going to come the rest yeah. of the season. It's setting the goal, really, the objective for the good guys yeah. is to prevent. You know, it's it's, it's like, quite quite well, a minor one. They've just got to prevent the yeah, destruction we're just over, of we're all. Just over halfway through the season. Yeah, so we, we've established what our problem is that we've got to overcome. Merely the destruction of the known universe. Yeah. So it's not a no biggie, but they've got half a season to work yeah. it out. Plenty of time for Star Trek. They're not back in TNG days to do this in forty-two oh. minutes. Yeah, done it in one episode, <laughs> maybe two if it was a push. So then we jump back to um, Stamets and Culber again, and he's playing music and everything. And uh, Culber says like his senses and feelings don't connect. And this is this idea again of it just not being, not being normal, not being yeah. right. Like, as I'll say, he's, he's a broken man. He's, yeah, well. It is, like, he's, he's probably massively traumatised apart from yeah. that he's got. He might not be showing damage, but. Well, it's he's not him, is he? He's a recreation yeah. as well. For we, we still don't really understand exactly what's gone on with him yeah, so it's like i describe him more as a clone yeah i think that is for all intents and purposes what what yeah. he is but he seems to retain all the memories but yeah yeah he's a, it's like perfect perfect copy but yeah, yeah. any injuries or i think there's or... i think they're going to do a lot more with this yeah. as we go along you know there's a lot oh, to be it's explored lot, it's it's a huge amount to be explored definitely um, we get Ash and Pike again. Um, Pike's not going to call off the search. And then Ash sort of talks about, you know, well, somebody might be, Spock might be just acting out of character and blah, blah, blah. And Pike makes this point of, well, I might believe that of you, but not of Spock. <laughs> yeah. And Ash um, says, well, Section 31 are going to be on your tail and everything. And Pike's rebuttal to that, do you think you're surprising me with that information? <laughs> so I, I just love how capable Pike is. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's nothing gets by him. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's very aware. He's, a, he's, he's showing himself as being a really great captain. He is. I mean, the thing is, he, he was the captain of the flagship, and when we meet him in the cage... He's already done a long tour. Yeah, well, it does. Is it two tours in the Enterprise? So it, it must be at least. Yeah, because I mean, originally the idea was he would be doing the five-year mission. It was the first yeah. pilot. Um, so, you know, he was a veteran when we first met him. And this yeah. is a couple of years on from that. So, you know, he, he's a man of the world. He's yeah. Nothing yeah. Well, was does, really going to throw him off. He definitely does two five-year missions back-to-back. -back. Yeah. And then Ash gives us a bit of his kind of a justification, really, for why he's involved with Section 31. And he says, you know, they operate in the grey areas, but 
the working towards a good purpose and he sort of equates that a little bit to to him and because he's sort of an outcast and an outsider yeah. that seems to be what's drawn him to something that's not not starfleet but not not starfleet you know yeah, it's, like it's been fokker's been grafted onto starfleet officer yeah is that what see i'm always confused with this one it is what we're seeing there who who we're referring to as ash what I think what? they've done Go is on. they've surgically altered Fock yeah. to look human. That's what I like thought. Ash. But then they've imprinted Ash's personality onto yeah. it as well, and Fock was to be triggered. And that's what that's what I thought. That was my impression. Is they talk about his bones being broken and yeah. everything. Uh, but I've heard other people say that what they did was alter Ash to put Vok into him. Which, that doesn't make as much sense with the physical no. transformation. Yeah, the physical transformation is... I think it's... Fuck has been physically transformed. That's what I thought, but... And, and you're talking internally, they've moved his organs, so it's not just... Yeah. That, like, it's not just plastic surgery to make him look human. They've altered his internal well, organs. they'd have to remove a lot, you'd have thought, because Klingons, we find out, have got redundant... Yeah, well, redundant. They've got backup hearts and backup everything, yeah. so... But there's a line later in this episode that we'll come to that sort of contradicts what we think, but we'll we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, Saru's found that there's been unauthorised transmissions, but he doesn't know who it's from. The implication is that it might be Ash, but we, again, as the audience, know a little bit better. Yeah. It's got to be Arium at this point, hasn't it? Yeah. And we find out a lot more going yeah. forward there. Then we go back to Talos 4 and we've got, I think there's a great bit of like verbal sparring between Spock and Burnham. Uh, like Burnham's asking Spock questions. She says she wants to help and he says, then ask me something I've not asked myself. And um, Burnham's response to that is, can we have a better version of this conversation? Yeah. And then she later says, do you actually think the beard's working? <laughs> Which again, do you think that's... A nod to the fans because they knew the beard would get a bit of backlash. Yeah, it's like it's obviously a very different look for Spock apart from um, in the movie Universe TOS. Yeah, of course. We've seen Spock with a beard, but it was very neat. It was a neat goatee, yeah. But I think the beard and the hair is making Spock look like he's got problems. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Unkempt at moments is... I mean, we don't get it absolutely confirmed because you don't see the bottom half of his face when he's melding with the angel. But I imagine he was clean-shaven at that yeah. point. And then it's when he's gone into the asylum, for asylum. want of a better word, yeah. that he's, his beard's got a bit out of control. Because, as you say, it's it's unkempt and his hair's yeah, a, his bit hair's a bit wild. all over. And... So, yeah, I think it's to reflect his his condition and everything. But I like that Michael has a, has a dig at it. Yeah. Um, so she's obviously not used to seeing him with a beard. No, exactly. It's some of that. And so what she's done again is upset him to the point that he never grows a beard again. <laughs> Her calling him out, that's it. Yeah. They're like, even if I live for another 300 years, you'll never see a beard on me. <laughs> um, this is where we get confirmation that the angel must be a time traveller. Uh, because Spock says the technology definitely can't be from now. Yeah, it's... And um, he does stress, though, that he's seen a possible future, 
which is always been sort of Star Trek's approach to time travel is that you can change things. Apart from the 2009 Kelvin verse. Yeah. Which that's, is... Uh, it, it, that sort of... Yeah, that sort of goes in the multiple realities version yeah. of time travel. <laughs> whereas before that, we've always... Yeah. We've always had you can change things and blah, blah, blah. So we do jump around, but I mean... Yeah, I suppose it's a big enough universe for both of them. Yeah. To work. It obviously depends how you do it. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the Kelvin movies. No, I don't. I think, you know, they've they've established a separate timeline so they can do what they want. Yeah. And I think that's fine. And I think that was the best move. Yeah. But I also think the right move was to do it within continuity with everything else. You know, so they're not saying this is a reboot, the rest of it didn't exist. Yeah, it's still connected. It's connected and everything else still exists. Yeah, it's created out of the prime timeline. And when I say the prime timeline, I mean the prime timeline, not what these conspiracy theorists say the prime timeline is. The prime timeline is Star Trek TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Discovery, Enterprise, all the movies up until the 2009 movies, and even they going that from the start of it. Yeah, and that's Spot Prime. So this, there's none of this. It has to be 15% different. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. It is absolute nonsense. And you know what? That guy can come on this show if he wants to, and we'll have a chat with him well, about... Well, I don't think anyone wants... He's hiding at the moment. He got oh, called he out, yeah. Oh, okay. He got called out and named and shamed in a oh, massive well. way. The offer's there, though. We, I'd gladly have him on. Doomcock or Nerd... Rat, nerd yeah, something like that. But anyway, we don't agree with his take on the Prime Universe. Um, so, you get another sequence where they go into Spock's mind. And um, this is where we see what actually happened in the, the psychiatric hospital. Yeah. And the, where he was accused of murder. So, you get these doctors telling him what's going on. And they think he must have seen him in the past. But Spock says, how is it I can remember tomorrow? Which I thought was a pretty cool line. Yeah. <laughs> and we see how he actually escaped. He, as you would expect from Spock, uses the nerve pinch to subdue everyone. And I like that he... Mike, Michael doesn't outright say, did you murder them? But she does ask a question and Spock calls her out and says, you know, despite everything you know about me, you still need to get confirmation from me. Um, but he does approach it in a very Vulcan way. You know, he's like, it It fits in with your behaviour that you would ask this. You know, yeah. he isn't offended. Well, it maybe he's a little bit offended, but not as much that, as in my yeah. way. Because I think he recognises that Michael has to take a logical approach and he would probably do the same. Yeah, yeah the know. logical approach is, he's the evidence... Yeah, absolutely. Um, then we get the fight between Hugh and Ash. Oh. Which, again, this is what I'm talking about. With, like, Hugh's new physicality struts but, in. But didn't it look like a real fight? It did, yeah. And I don't... And I mean, like, two blokes just brawling. Yeah, I know what you mean. But, it didn't the, look coordinated. Yeah, it didn't look like, rehearsed. Yeah, like, you see so many fights and, like, we had... Kirk Fu and yeah, there was none of the double axe none, handle. None of that, and it looked very, very real. Yeah, grabbing hold of each other. Yeah, it was a real scrap. It was like yeah. a, a bar fight. And, yeah, and like 
Cold McGill's in looking for a fight. He, he yeah. struts up, yeah. he kicks the chair over, he throws the food over. Yeah. Bring him out. And yeah, he, wa- <clears throat> he wants to have a fight with Vok, but... Yeah, like, end of day, Vok, Vok stroke Ash killed him. Killed, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and Ash does say it doesn't work like that. I can't call yeah. him up on demand kind of thing. And then Saru lets it all play out. You know, he says well, they need to yeah. do it. Well, I think this is sort of a, the change in Saru since he's lost his family. Yeah. Well, Pike does make reference to that, but I started thinking about it and I thought the first, first officer, which Saru is acting as at the moment, their duties to the crew, they, they look after the well-being of the crew. And he's must recognise that I've got two crew members here who are not going to be right until they've had it out with each yeah, other. It's a fight that needs to happen. So Yeah, so he is doing a good job yeah. as a first officer by letting it play yeah. out. It's like, let him get it out of the it's system. There's also that he probably shouldn't let it. No. There's, there's yeah. two sides to it as a first officer. No, player. absolutely. And it turns out he's right because they do simmer down and yeah. stop going at it. And it just seems that they both needed this that, release. You yeah. know, Hugh's coming at it from an anger point of view, whereas Ash is from a guilt point of yeah. view and they both need to to vent that. You know, Ash probably wouldn't mind letting Hugh give him a bit of a kicking, you know, because he feels he deserves it for yeah. what happened. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great scene. And like you say, the physicality of the fight is... It looks like it's not staged. It just looks like two blokes yeah. who actually really hate each other going at it. <laughs> and you get... scrap. You get this connection between the two of them where Hugh says, I don't know who I am anymore. And Ash says, who do you think you're talking to? You know, there is, yeah, in a weird, perverse way, that connection yeah, between them. The similarity. Yeah. Um, then there's a great line where Saru says, the Starfleet manual offers no guidelines for humans with Klingons grafted to their bones and those returned from the dead. <laughs> yeah. But that's the line I mentioned earlier because yeah. he's saying... It's a human with Klingon grafted to him, which I don't think he is. And no, I think he's Klingon with human grafted yeah, to I'd, him. I don't think that's what's been established no. previously. I think I think Ash Tyler, whoever he was, is dead, but they've grafted his personality somehow yeah. onto Voke. And now, to all intents and purposes, Voke's dead and Ash's personality is living yeah. out in that body. So, I don't know, maybe it's just... Uh, an imprecise line that has gone amiss a bit, or maybe the writers aren't sure, I don't know. Maybe Saru's just not yeah. sure. Maybe it's just acting like, well, Ash is a human now, so it's a yeah. human. Either way, it's a great line that he says yeah. to Pike when he's been <laughs> reprimanded. <laughs> and then we get this sequence where Vina actually appears to Pike, and she says again, she says... um. Well, Pike steps back, don't he, in yeah. shock, and she's there, I'm not used to you being scared of me. Yeah, and that's a, that's an interesting line from Vina because they only knew each other briefly, so that's foreshadowing what we find out, that she's about to tell him that she's well, had this version of him there. No, and um, didn't he see that in the cage? I don't think Pike sees it in that one. Kirk sees it in the no, menagerie. I thought, I thought Pike saw it as well in Does the it? cage where... Do the Salusians show him? Yeah, it's a while where, since I've watched the yeah, cage. Yeah, where she, um, they make her right again. And then he walk, she, walks, she off. walks off ah, with him. right, yeah, maybe so. that's where they get the scene to use again in the menagerie. But she does 
I thought that was just a scene that we saw, not him, because no. she does tell him as if it's new news. Yeah. Um, but it's, so she's been living with him for yeah a couple of years. Yeah, she does say it though, so he doesn't know. Anyway, we'll have to yeah. rewatch that one and see where it goes. Um, she also says their ability to project is limited. Not so much, love. You know, like, let's be realistic. Uh, we're we're yeah, thousands, we, millions of miles away. Yeah, we different star system and they're sending an image that it can touch and then they do basically a hollow communication yeah. so it might be limited but it's not that limited yeah. you know yeah there's a lot of range to it and then they say that they're doing it to avoid subspace because they don't want section 31 intercepting but pike gets to have a chat with michael and also gets to see spock and he's happy to see spock which is great um and Spock asked Pike to come and get him, basically. Yeah. Then we get sort of the emotional fallout from the fight between Ash and Hugh. We get a bit where Hugh essentially breaks up with Stamets at this yeah. stage. He keeps referring to it as like his apartment and whatnot. And he, oh, not his apartment, his quarters. And he doesn't want to carry on the way they are. They want to do a spore jump to Talos, so. At this stage, we're pretty much just using the spore drive when we want now. Yeah. I mean, they don't get to use it as it happens, but whereas in um, the second episode where they went to the Beta Quadrant, it was, we've got special dispensation to use it. Yeah. But, well, it's also sort of going against Starfleet at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, that's true. They're kind of using whatever they've got on the disposal yeah. right now. Um, Pike says he wants to go to Talos, and Nan actually questions... Talos as a destination, you know, says, you know that it's forbidden by the regulations, but nobody's bothered. If yeah. Pike wants to go there, we're going there. He's got the crew by well, this point. Well, we find out how much he has the crew at the we end do, of the episode. Yeah. Um, so the small drive, though, has been sabotaged. Pike naturally thinks that it's probably Ash that's done it because the evidence there is that it was his code that authorised yeah. those transmissions. So... You yes. Know, again, as the audience, we're pretty much thinking this is a frame-up job and yeah. it must be Arian because we're sort of getting these almost villain shots of Arian yeah. now where she'll sort of look a little bit dodgy. And um, But Pike, quite interestingly and understandably, thinks Section 31 might have brainwashed Ash and using him as a sleeper yeah. agent. And he's quite adamant, no, I won't let it happen to me again. <laughs> but... I, I can see where Pike's yeah, coming from. how would you know? And we know that he's never really trusted Ash, despite them kind of being buddies at the end of the last episode. But I like that, because I talked about last time, I thought it was a bit too easy that they seemed to bury the hatchet. But this is showing that Pike hasn't really. He's still, he might not actively suspect him all the time, but he's not taking any chances with him either. Yeah. And I think that's sensible. Um, what they're going to do here is set up like a ruse, basically. We're going to pretend we're going to the Starbase and then we're going to fly the other way. Go somewhere else. Which is similar to what Lorca did in Season 1 where they set a course back to the Starbase with the intent of then jumping back. Jumping back to... To, what was the planet called now? Parvo. Um, And then we get the dodgy shot of Arium looking a bit shifty again. So we're being... Even if you don't remember the red light thing, it's been telegraphed that something 
is definitely going to so happen it's... with Arium. Um, then we get kind of a wrap-up scene on Talos. Vina warns Burnham that she's not to allow the Talosians to force... She describes it as forcing payment because Burnham had agreed that they could look into her memories of what happened with Spark. Yeah. And clearly this ties back to what they'd done to Vina before the cage. They've, they've been in her mind invasively. So Michael gives up the memory and we finally, finally get the answer to what she did. I thought this was a bit of an anticlimax, to yeah, be honest. Um, it, it's it, causing problems because I'm human. Yeah, and she, she, she's trying to push Spock away and she calls him a half-breed is essentially yeah. what it comes down to. And it it doesn't seem monumentous enough no. with how they've built it up. Yeah. It, she's like, I did something that wounded him and hurt him so much. And it, it just doesn't seem enough no. to me. Um, I suppose you could look at it as what she said there made Spock resent his human side and impacted the way he grew up. So she undid a lot of the good work Amanda had done by helping him get in touch with his human side. But the actual incident that we see doesn't, to me, seem... No, it doesn't seem monumental enough. big enough. Though, calling him a half-breed does tie into... Um, the original series episode, What Are the Little Girls Made Of, where Kirk keeps saying, Mr. Spock, you're half-breed, when yeah. they're creating an android duplicate. Yeah, too. So that the android will say that to him. So it's obviously something that triggers him. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like Marty McFly in Back to the Future, if you call him chicken, maybe, <laughs> maybe half-breed is Spock's Possibly. trigger word. But yeah, I just I, I don't know what I wanted, but I wanted something... Something more monumental between yeah. them, why the... But I suppose, from the writer's point of view, it's got to be something that we can forgive Michael for. It can't be nasty enough that we turn on her. Yeah. But the way they built it up, it, that just wasn't quite enough for me. But it's a minor sort of nitpick in this episode. Spock, at this stage, says that he's not ready to kind of complete this quest because... He says logic's failed him and time's failed him and time was always his, his constant. And Michael sort of thinks at this stage that that's why he's turned to her because their relationship has grounded him to some extent. Yeah. Whereas Spock says, it's because I needed someone who understood the context of my life. But then wouldn't he go to Amanda or Sarek even? Maybe yeah. not Sarek. Maybe but, not Sarek. But Amanda... Yeah. It, he obviously needs Michael in a way that maybe even he doesn't, doesn't realise at realize, this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leland is approaching here, he's followed Discovery through Warp, and he threatens Pike. What I wondered here is if we're assuming Arium is working... Well, we have seen the rest of the season, so I'm, I'm going to try and not do too many spoilers but at this stage we assume that whoever sabotages this bar drive is working for section 31 yeah so why wouldn't they also sabotage the warp drive if their goal is to stop discovery getting to talos um maybe because the spore drive there's so f- so limited access to it maybe so um, yeah like we haven't really seen the main engineering of no we haven't <laughs> discovery to be fair where the normal but I'd assume there's quite a lot of engineers in there, so it's probably harder to 
or a, a couple of other reasons I thought maybe is because Ash gets Ash gets uh, confined to quarters at that stage. So if Arium is using Ash as her cover, she couldn't do anything else. Because so, it so that could be one thing, or maybe the idea wasn't to stop them getting to Talos, but it was to give Leland enough time to catch them up. Yeah. So if they'd have spoiled jumped to Talos, they'd have picked up Spock and Michael and been off, and yeah. Section 31 wouldn't have got there, whereas doing it this way... Well, also maybe they needed to follow Discovery. Yeah. To find out where they're actually going. Yeah. They know they're that, at Talos. That's a good The point, spore drive, yeah. they wouldn't be able to follow. There would be a True. trail where they could, we, it's massively been previously established. You can follow a warp trail yes, around the yeah. galaxy. And so, every ship's different. So, yeah, there's a lot of reasons they could have not sabotaged the warp drive. Um, Vina then appears to Pike, and she's basically saying, here, you've got to let it all go. You've got to let me go, everyone go. Yeah. And he says he's going to, you know, he, he's, well, he doesn't say it, but, he, you know, he's Yeah, he has, to stop, he has to stop the transport. Yeah, he, he has to metaphorically let yeah. everything go by stopping this transport to... Yeah, and let Leland have them. Let Leland have them. So Leland thinks that he's beamed up Michael and Spock, but there's a a switch there and it isn't, it's... Yeah, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. We have a shuttle bay that's been hidden by illusion dock on Discovery. Yeah. I like that. I think it's a good yeah, a good bluff. It makes sense. A lot of people criticise the bit where she says, say goodbye, Spock, and he says, goodbye, Spock. And they said, Spock won't make that joke, but it's not Spock. It's, it's not a Spock. Talosian it's a projection of Spock. Delusion. So, and to be honest, I think Spock might make that joke. Yeah. But, you know, so... Like, I do like uh, George's reaction to this. Um, back in my universe, when, yes. when Talosians tried this, I... Uh, Blew, I blew up the entire planet in their stupid singing plants. Yeah. I love the idea that Georgia's really annoyed by these plants. I would have, maybe Mira Stamets had some of them on the maybe. ship or something and they just really irritated her. But, but yeah, I can see I can see Georgia doing that. You know, she's yeah. not she's not one to mince her words and it's I do like the comedy that the the mining from this last week it was she killed the mother. Yeah. This week she's destroyed the Talosians. <laughs> so she But Leland did does Leland say, Are you sure you did you destroyed him? Because I, I imagine Because like I thought about this and she might think she's destroyed them. That's true actually, but yeah. I think with their capabilities it'd be very easy to Isn't let it? her be- believe it's happened yeah. and I mean presumably as well. In the mirror universe, the Talosians are not don't have the nasty streak that they do sometimes in this universe. Well, some some become nastier, some become nicer. Yeah, it's true. It's it doesn't always follow that. I mean, in Mirror Mirror, it was just basically you are the opposite. Yeah. But in all the versions we've had since, it's well, been a bit more nuanced. Well, no, because even the planet they were around was still a peaceful race. They were, oh, of course, they were pretty yeah. much the same. Yeah, because Kirk were going to wipe them out, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just the Terran Empire. Yeah. That's like opposite. in some of the comics, you have they've had the Borg, and the Borg are just more nasty. Yeah, or even evil, more evil than what they are. Yeah. So yeah, Mirror Borg. I suppose if they were the mirror of it, they'd go around extracting technology from people, like people with a pacemaker. They'd go yeah. and remove it and be like, "You're not having that anymore." I don't know, but yeah, yeah, we'll. 
It's interesting. I like these lines. I'm going to keep an eye on this and see yeah. if Giorgio comes out with any more. Yeah, she's... Whoever updates her memory alpha entry must be having fun with all the trivia well, about Well, yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Then we get an explanation or we get a theory on what the angel's goal is. It's trying to alter the timeline to prevent the disruption of all life in the galaxy. And Discovery, pretty much at this stage, is going on the run. They're going against Starfleet orders. And you've sort of referred to this earlier on. Spike's... uh, Spike? Are you calling him Spike? I think we need to do a Buffy podcast so I can talk about (laughs) Spike. Um, Pike starts making a speech, which is... One we've heard before. Yeah, it's the one that I'm Picard go- gives in first yeah, contact. Yeah, against Starfleet. I yeah. can't ask any of you to follow me. And they cut him off. Yeah. And I think it's um, Detmer, isn't it? She Detmer, says, she what's goes, the... Uh, destination, please, Captain. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tilly goes, is it Tilly or is it Burnham who says, you have the crew? have the crew. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, again, Pike's just... Yeah. So cool at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he's won the crew over. The crew is there. The crew over. They believe in him. Yeah. When he's going against Staffleet, they believe that he's doing the right thing. Absolutely. There's never been one of them ones where they've said, no, we're not doing that really, has there? It's no. always, but the captain's always right when they yeah. do it, so that's fine. Yeah, so overall, pretty awesome episode, that one. Yeah, really good episode. Good and fun. It's, it's a good place to come in the season as well. You know, it got a bit frustrating waiting for Spock every week. Yeah. But then this one's just... This is everything that a prequel can be. You know, this is what you can do yeah, with a prequel. with a prequel show. It's, very, can, it's well done. Right, like we said, right from the beginning with the previously on Star Trek, that's just... It yeah. is, it's just beautiful to watch. It's got it. It's got the tone right. It's got the reverence to the original series right. Yeah. It's... What it does is it adds to episodes we've seen yeah. nearly 50 years ago, in the case of the Menagerie. Oh, it will be 50 years ago now, in fact. Over. Um, so, you know, it doesn't detract from the cage or the Menagerie. No. It adds to them, it embellishes them. It scratched that itch I had about um, the what I thought might be a continuity error. So, it's just an excellent, excellent yeah, piece of work. It's, it's very well done. Can't fault it. No. Nope. Spot on. So, yeah. I think. Is there anything else you want to say about this one, or have I we pretty much? I think we pretty much nailed it. Yeah, top episode. So, next week we're going to look at the next one, and um, any other Star Trek news that crops up in the meantime. You never know. We might get a full Picard trailer. We might get some uh, news on the Section Thirty One show. Yes, we like, were talking about that. Didn't yeah, rumours are that. They reckon the Section 31 show is off to run straight after Season Discovery 3. Discovery Season 3, so... So, if we're looking probably January next year for Discovery... Yeah, March, April, May. So, it'd have to be starting around summer to this time yeah. next year. So... Oh, it'd have to start before that. Maybe so. No, oh, you mean being shown? Being shown, yeah. yeah. Be... So, in terms of pre-production, it must be underway. Yeah. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing... You know, maybe some concept art or something. Yeah, like, I think they've done pre-production during the Discovery Yeah, we've, two, we've got we've the got ship, ships. we've got the bridge, we've, we've got the uniforms. We've got George's uh, wardrobe. Yeah. So, it's going to be interesting. We'll come to that in a few weeks. Yeah, when we talk about the finale, how they're going to do George it all. We have, a, we have a pretty solid theory on that. Yeah. 
but we'll save that for another episode. We will we'll talk about that when the time comes. So thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can join the Facebook group. If you search for Retrek on Facebook, we should be the only one. If not, we'll have to have words with someone. Um, Twitter at RetrekPod and Gmail's RetrekPod at gmail.com. On YouTube, on Retrek Model Studios. Absolutely, yeah. I haven't put any of the new Eagle Moss ones on. I just got the Planet Killer. No, I'm a bit behind. I might have to put the Planet Killer on there. They don't give you batteries, though. It's, and it's little tiny watch battery. You know, it's not ones you're going to have in your yeah. jar. Anyway, but we love Eagle Moss in case they want to start sending us free stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.